But wow, two visions, one after the other. And I, that, that's what I've, I've, I've called our, our, our sermon this morning, two visions. And I guess as I looked at it, there was a kind of a, a, like a bracket which said, does God speak today? Because clearly he spoke here. Does God speak today? I think you know the answer. But we'll, we'll get there. And we'll look at that. Last year, as I said, we, we began looking at this book of Acts. At, at the birth of the church. After Jesus had died and had ascended into heaven. We see the account from, the, from, from Luke who writes this book. The account of how the church was born and grew. And just as Jesus had said, it started by being born amongst the Jewish followers of Jesus and then spread amongst the Jewish people. And then just as Jesus said, it would spread from the Jews into Samaria, into those people that, that kind of had a relationship with the Jews that was actually quite strained. The, the Jews thought the Samaritans were kind of a mixed breed. They, they kind of were, but, but there was a, a very strained relationship. But the gospel of Jesus Christ spread from the Jews to the Samaritans. And then, as Jesus said, it would go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to all the ends of the earth to include the Gentiles. That is, anyone who was not born a Jew. That is us. That the gospel of Jesus would spread. And we've seen in the book of Acts how by, by the end of chapter 2, many Jewish people had accepted the words of the apostles, the testimony of Jesus. And then by the end of chapter 8, we see how the word had spread to the Samaritans. And now here, in chapter 10 and 11, we see the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles. What a cool story. What a cool history. His story. And it starts here in chapter 10 with Cornelius. Cornelius, who, who was a centurion in the Roman army. In many ways, a pretty unlikely person to, to have any relationship with the Jews because that relationship between the Jews and the Romans was not particularly easy. But we see that this man was a God-fearing man. But it seems that he didn't yet know Jesus. But he prayed. He gave generously. We'll learn later that he was in good standing with the Jewish people. He was a good man, him and his family. And he has a vision. You see... Visions are one way that God chose and chooses to speak to us. 
I had a quick look during the week at the Old Testament. I kind of looked up. I've got this great big concordance book upstairs in my study, and it kind of it picks out all the times a particular word um, happens in the Bible. So I looked at vision and visions, and then I just looked up all the references to where it's mentioned in, in, in the Bible. And it's really interesting. In the Old Testament, I didn't count how many times I should have counted just for, for fun, but I didn't. But in the Old Testament, nearly all of the times where God appears to people in a vision, there is a warning of judgment that is brought through those visions. God spoke through many of the prophets that we, we read of, of Isaiah, of, of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Obadiah, many, many other prophets. But each time, the general tenor of those visions is, you need to tell the people that unless they buck up their ways, judgment is on its way. Or, the people haven't listened. Judgment is on its way. Those were the kinds of visions that happened in the Old Testament. And I was curious, is that the same in the, in the New Testament? Is, is that the tenor of the New Testament visions? And actually, no, it's not. Generally speaking, the visions that appear in the New Testament tend to be announcements. Like Zechariah, who hears that John the Baptist is to be born. Or they their guidance or instructions to enable something to happen. And that's very much the case, as we'll kind of unpack this next week, what happens with these two visions. They're about guiding people to come to a place where God can use them and continue to grow his church. And I think that's really important. As we think about how God speaks to us, that his word is about building us up. It's about helping others to grow closer to God. And in the process, often, mercifully, it helps us too to grow closer to God. Two visions from two very different people. In many ways, Cornelius was quite a straight-laced kind of a guy, devout and, and very sincere. He was obviously kind of a, um, a, a company man, if you like. He knew how to take orders and do things right. Peter, on the other hand, he was all over the place. But he was an obedient man. But he kind of got not this way and that and... and and Jesus had to really deal firmly with him, but his heart, his heart's desire was to serve Jesus as he grew to know him and followed him. Cornelius's vision, in some ways, is quite straightforward. An angel appears, straightforward, perhaps a Slightly strange word, because, yeah, if an angel appears to you, that's, that's big. But it's kind of easy-ish to understand. An angel appears and tells him something fairly straightforward. Send men to Joppa, bring back Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. Pretty clear instructions 
for him to do. And as I just kind of intimated when I was reading verse 8, he does it. He sends people to go and get Simon, who is called Peter. Peter's vision, on the other hand, is kind of a bit more, I guess, symbolic in what he saw. A bit harder to get your head around, because there he is, praying. And incidentally, right at the heart of both of these men's visions is the fact that they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and they pray. There's a board out there looking for your name to pray and pray and pray that we would become a praying church. That's an aside. But they prayed. Peter's vision, though, was more, I guess, tricky to get your head around because a sheet comes down from heaven. And on this sheet is a bunch of animals. All kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Sounds very much like Genesis and the description of creation. But in there, there were clearly animals that in Jewish law were said to be unclean. That they shouldn't be eaten by anyone who was circumcised a Jew. And yet, you see verse 13, the voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Ah? Seriously? But, But I've never eaten anything unpure in my life. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. And so a bit of that vision is explained. But still, there's a bit of wrestling to do with that. And Peter ends up wondering about the vision. This is one of these passages where I really don't want to steal Gary's thunder next week. So I'm trying not to do that. Forgive me if I end up doing that. But maybe Gary will say it a whole lot better than I do, even if I do say something that he says next week. But... Peter there also has a vision that he has to deal with. I want us to concentrate, though, on this idea of God speaking. And as we come to thinking about that for for us today, here's something that you notice as you read about those visions, that both of them are confirmed as from God as they are acted upon. But they're not acted upon alone. Other people are involved. Yes, they both have to take a step of obedience. See, Cornelius takes a step of obedience to send his men. And actually, he could have looked a right wally, couldn't he? Sending these men 30 miles down the coast on a wild goose chase. They could have come back and said, what are you on, sir? What are you talking about? But he took that step of faith. And as we'll see next week, God went before him. And all that that God had said 
was there and was right and true. Simon was staying at Simon the Tanner's house. And he comes. And Peter, as he comes down from from his rooftop experience of seeing this weird sheet of animals that he's supposed to eat, he's told that there are men waiting for him and that he's to go with them. And as he goes with them and takes that step of faith in going with them, so again, God's word is, is, is born out. And I just think that, that that as well is a really important principle for us as we learn to listen to God, that actually our journey with God is not just individual, although, although it is individual. We have to relate to God ourselves. Nobody else can, can win that over for us. But as we relate to God ourselves, we relate to other people who also follow Jesus. And it's by doing that that we grow in strength as Christians. So, thinking about these visions and how they they work out, which we hopefully will do next week. I'll have to phone Gary and tell him to make sure that he does what I've said that he's going to do, but uh, he may well have a completely different idea. But I'm not going to stray into to, to that so much now, but I, I do want us to stray into So does God speak to us today? I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you to put your hands up if you think the answer is yes. But, but does God speak to us today? I think there's probably a general kind of, mm, yeah, I think so, yeah. How does he do that? Let's spend just a few minutes just looking at how God speaks to us today. This may not be exhaustive, but I hope it's a helpful set of of, of pointers to how God speaks to us today. Number one, God speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. This book that I hold in front of me, this book that, that you have in front of you that you maybe have got on your smartphone or your iPad or your whatever it is, your, your um, Kindle and all of that, wherever you have a Bible, that is God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. God's word is alive today. God's word is alive today. Do we expect to hear from God as we read it? Do we? I think sometimes we do. Sometimes we kind of just go to it and think, oh gosh, better do this again, haven't I? Or, oh gosh, I haven't done that for a long, long time. And we almost just can get into a routine, but, but we need to expect that God will speak through his word because this really is a goldmine of God's heart and character of how God wants to minister to us and speak right into our situations. And we need to ask him to speak to us as we open it, in whatever format we open it. But especially, do we expect God to speak through Jesus' words? 
and through Jesus' life and works. See, Jesus said that, that we are his sheep and we learn to hear his voice. It's just to me that Jesus expected that we would hear from him and learn from him and walk with him. The writer to the Hebrews specifically says right at the beginning of that letter that God has spoken through his son. Now I know that sometimes we wish, particularly when there's a decision to be made, we wish that God would just kind of paint it in the sky. That there'd be a billboard as you're driving past and it's like, Andy, do that. We wish when we have those kinds of dilemmas, that God would just map it out for us. But you know, mercifully, sometimes God does speak very specifically to people. Maybe in this room there are people who just have known that moment where God has just shown them. But I guess that's not often the way God works. Because I guess we can very easily try and put God into our understanding of how we want him to speak. We can kind of box him in and say, look, God, I need you to do this, instead of saying, God, here I am. Speak. Your servant is listening. But your servant's not just listening for that moment, but actually day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. Your servant is listening. So how else does he speak today? I want to say this as we, as we look at some other ways that he speaks today. That actually, in every other way that he speaks, what he says will not contradict Scripture. Will not contradict What is in this book? I've heard people say to me that they believe that what they're going to do is absolutely right and that God thinks it's absolutely right, but it completely goes against God's teaching. I've heard people say to me that an affair is right, but it's not. We are so easily able to convince ourselves of our own kind of rationale and we need to be honest and we need to recognize that God's word will not be contradicted when he speaks to us so his word I think is is, is absolutely primary as we sang just now then sings my soul my saviour God to me how great thou art When through the woods and forest glades I wander, when I hear birds sing sweetly in the trees. God speaks through his creation, actually. And we are so blessed to have a beautiful part of the world to live in. And I know a number of you just find it such a helpful thing to do, to be outside and to be walking and to be looking around you and just wondering at the wonder of God in his creation. And that can really speak to us. He can really speak to us through his, his creation. He can tell us something of, 
of just how great he is. And that can help us bring into perspective, perhaps, some of the stuff that we face. can do all sorts of things, but, but God does speak through his creation. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, Psalm 19 says. And Romans 1.20 also talks about how we are pointed towards God in awe and wonder. It's not to say that God is in creation, that the earth is God. That's a, that's a deviation. But God will speak through what he has made. Third way that, that God speaks to us today is through other people. Maybe through other Christians, maybe through others who don't know Jesus, but who just speak into our lives. Maybe even through a preacher, God speaks. That might be something that's very specific, where where somebody comes and just gets alongside you. You you know them and they specifically speak to you and they just kind of say something that they know about your situation, or maybe they don't know about your situation, and God has laid it on their heart. And in a word of knowledge, a, a beautiful, supernatural thing, comes and stands alongside you. I'm not making you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> Tina, I'm not about to... <laughs> but, but sometimes we get alongside people, and we specifically are able to, to speak words into their lives of blessing, of warning, of guidance, of truth. But actually... We're acting as, as, as a, a channel of God's working. I just felt last week was an incredible example of that. I don't want to embarrass you, Karis. I just have because I've mentioned your name. But the, 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 the verse that God laid on our heart for you last week, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I, 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 I tell you, Angela would laugh if she was here because I was so excited when I saw your testimony and that was one of the things that you said. I just thought, hallelujah, five weeks beforehand. I knew, right? I, was, I just had a sense that that was the right verse for Caris, and I just sensed that that is something that you need to hold on to. But actually, we need to hear. Maybe that verse is, is speaking into other people's lives. As we speak, God speaks through his word, through other people, through creation. What will we do with that? Will we just say, oh, that's nice. Get on with it. Or will we keep coming back to that? Will we keep weighing that before God and say, well, God, how how do you want that to be? What do you want me to do with that? Help me. Let me just say one thing that is really, really important with regard to to God speaking through other people. James says in his letter something that is really helpful. James 3.17 says this. Wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. We need to make sure that if we feel that we're speaking into somebody's life that we follow those kind of guidelines. 
that we don't go stirring up trouble, that we don't go saying stuff that actually does none of those things but rather hurts. Now, it might be sometimes we have to say something that's difficult, but we say that in a way that is honouring to God and honouring to that person. I guess we need to be humble. We need to be careful if we're saying something that we feel is, is from God, that we don't say, thus saith the Lord, boof! And that it just blows the other person out of the water. Well, I can't argue with that, can I? Except I don't think God did say that to me. We need to have humility to say, well, I, I believe that this is what God may be saying to you. Maybe even don't need to, to kind of couch it in those terms, but to have the humility that it needs to be tested and weighed. But God does speak through others. And we need to be radars, kind of looking for that, seeking that. Fourth thing, God actually speaks through music. Maybe some of you just came this morning, not really in a great place, but actually felt that you were able to come into God's presence through the songs that we've sung this morning. That might not be the case. Sometimes you kind of come into a a place where other people are singing and you think, I don't get this. That's okay. But sometimes God really does speak through music. He's created us, musical beings. Thank God for people like Rob and Tina and and others here who've got such a musical gift that blesses us. Paul says to us in Ephesians that we should speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Perhaps you can encourage people. I'm quite grateful for YouTube. Because it means that I don't have to sing those songs, but I could say, maybe you could listen to this song and, and it would encourage you rather than me warbling down the phone at you. But that idea that God can speak through music is, is, is actually really important. There's somebody that, that, that said to me a couple of weeks ago, they really wanted to share something that had really spoken to them through a piece of music. They're not here today, but at some point in the next few weeks, we'll encourage them just to share that. And I just think that's a beautiful thing where God used a song and really just drew them back in to a place of trusting in God. Fifthly, circumstances, the the circumstances of our lives can point us towards God. Yes, they can test our faith, they can test our belief in God. They can test that. That can teach us lessons, our, our, our circumstances, because often our circumstances ain't that pretty. And perhaps we won't always hear God's voice in the midst of those circumstances, particularly if they're difficult. But how will we respond to our circumstances? Will we keep looking to God, even when there is no kind of banner of this is okay. This is how this is going to work out, my friend. So often we see God speaking to us through circumstances from a bit of a kind of a stand back and, and look. Two last things. I'm running out of time. But God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. 
God may whisper something to us, just as I've acknowledged that sometimes he might give us a word for somebody else, but maybe sometimes he will give us a word for us. Maybe through his word, maybe through creation, maybe through a song, maybe just as we are driving along the road and something comes into our head and we think, I need to do something with that. Pull over first. Then do something with it. Or maybe just keep on thinking and praying and saying, well, Lord, what is that? What do you want me to do with that? But, but God does speak to us in that still, small voice. Mercifully, he's given us a conscience. And sometimes his spirit works through our conscience to guide us away from doing stuff that would not honour him. Let's remember, though, that that whatever that might be, if it's God speaking, it will not contradict Scripture. It will not tell us to go in a direction that Scripture would tell us not to. Let's not justify our actions and try and make it all kind of sound super spiritual when actually it's not. But let's weigh those things. Let's, let's stand with other people and say, you know, I, I was driving along the other day and, and I, I thought God was saying this to me. What do you think about that? Would you pray with me that I can work that out? Just be willing to let other people in on that. And I guess coming full circle, if you like, God speaks to us as we pray. When we consciously put ourselves before God. And Cornelius, verse 3 and 4, is just a great example of that. Verses 3 and 4, where we see that Cornelius prayed to God regularly. And one day at about three in the afternoon, which was the Jewish time for prayer, he had a vision. And the angel said, your prayers And your gifts to the poor have been answered. Cornelius was putting himself in a place where God could speak. And it's not that that there's a formula that if you get down on your, your right knee in that position and your left knee in that position and you sit like that, that's the formula for prayer that God will speak. It's not formulaic. It's not just you have to get on your knees to pray. You can be praying anywhere, anytime. And God can speak to you. Maybe through his word. Maybe through all of these other things. But are we putting ourselves in a place where we will hear God? Where we put other distractions aside? Where we perhaps normally, our our routine is driving along in the car, music on and everything filling in or the radio on. Sometimes just to switch the radio off and let God in. Invite his presence. And maybe you put the radio back on, but actually you just start by asking God's presence. Putting him in the centre of whatever you're about. That's why we, we want to really encourage you to be praying regularly as a congregation. Obviously, you don't just have to pray once a month. That would be foolish of me to say that. But for us to do that together is a good thing. God speaks to us. 
not just in visions and miraculous things, not just telling us kind of world-shattering things like he was about to tell Cornelius and Peter. Sometimes it's dead simple. But God loves you and he speaks with you if we will listen. We're going to finish in just a moment with a song that uh, some of you may know, some of you may not, but it just really invites that, that God would speak to us. And I just ask that you'd sing it as a, as a prayer, going out into the week. In, in some senses, I think it was probably written as a song to go before reading scripture together in church, but I wanted us to, to go out with this song, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word.